horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. All right. Welcome back to Winning Ponies. I hope everybody had a wonderful week highlighted by one of my favorite holidays, and that would be St. Patrick's Day. And just to clarify things, my producer Josh said, uh, Engelhart, that doesn't sound real Irish to me. Well, here's my full name, ladies and gentlemen. John Collins O'Breslin Daugherty Engelhart. So um, some German guy slipped in there someplace, my great-grandfather, and that's how I got saddled with the last name. But nope, Irish blood courses through these veins. All right, here's the setup for the show. As you well know, if you're listening to this, uh, it is going to be a huge uh, weekend at the fairgrounds, particularly Saturday. We're going to handicap a all-graded race pick four. 12 through 14, 14 being the Twin Spires Louisiana Derby, 100 points race. And also 100 points for the girls will be the Twin Spires Fairground Oaks, followed by the New Orleans Classic. And we also have on the grass the Munez Memorial. Uh, then our second guest will be uh, no stranger to the show. Uh, he's the guru of horse tourneys, so uh, he's the guy that uh, we point you to the easy win forms, and that would be none other than Eric Wing. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, a lot of the prep races uh, leading up to the Derby, kind of his impressions so far uh, of those races, who impressed him, and, uh, you know, Things along that line, I always uh, respect uh, Eric's uh, read on things. And, of course, last week we had the Rebel and uh, big player in there in concert tour. Bob Baffert, they're saying right now it looks like Baffert might have three for the Kentucky Derby. So as far as I know, he might have four. There's one that uh, jumped up and surprised us all. So that's the layout of... um, how things will go today and once again thank you for joining us and again you know when you've got a nice pick four like that it's worth doing the extra effort and pulling down our easy win forms at winningponies.com if you um, if you were lucky enough on St. Patrick's Day uh, Sam Houston was the place to be a 50 cent pick six paid just over two thousand dollars also this past week our friends in florida at tampa bay downs we had two winners there tampa bay always provides a good card uh we had a one dollar super high five that paid 1700 and on the 10th a one dollar super key was fifteen hundred dollars don't take my word for it. Come on over to the site and check. We give all the results uh, of our selections there. So, um, again, good week to pull down the easy win form. So we'll, we'll be talking to uh, to Joe and Eric, get their uh, insight on those races, um, and uh, do a little handicapping for you. So 
here's what's going on now. I want to get more information about this because it sounds very inter- very informative. Uh, is that there's a suit now to halt the much touted Horse Racing Integrity and Safety Act, uh, known also as HISA, and the Horseman's uh, Benevolent Protection Agency, known as the HPPA, filed a federal lawsuit. So they're trying to stop this from being implemented. Now, uh, there's going to be a lot of debate going back and forth. There already has been, you know, if you're checking out the websites. uh, again, got to get more detail before I, I, I comment too much on it. But um, they they have brought in the the, the lawsuit uh, filed in the U.S. District Court, and uh, they're they're trying to hold it up, saying, "Hey, uh, some things in here and the way that they did it are." perhaps a little sketchy. And of course, uh, HISA has responses for that. But they just feel that the bill was passed without proper vetting. And the question, who's running it? It it gives you a private authority, broad government powers over our industry with little or no knowing the cost of creating it and to maintain this bureaucracy. Who's going to pay for it? Those are pretty good questions. And uh, so the HISA people feel that they welcome the scrutiny and express confidence that will withstand its legal challenge. So let's see what happens over the next week or so, and then I'll bring in an expert, someone from the uh, legal field uh, that's looking into the case. So uh, the, the HBPA now has the critical backing of the Liberty Justice Center. They're going to represent the Horseman's Group for free in the federal lawsuit. Uh, the uh, Liberty Justice Center describes itself as a nonprofit, nonpartisan public interest litigation center that represents clients at no charge to fight against political privilege. So, again, they're questioning the legality of the plan to form an authority to oversee racing's medication and testing. And I guess, and rightfully so, one of the big uh, uh, complaints or reasons for this is that we don't know who's going to run it. We don't know what it's going to cost. So uh, we, we'll find out. I'm going to stay on top of this. And like I said, I'm going to bring in some uh, legal experts to try to you know tell us exactly what is going on here. Um, Got to ask uh, Joe Christofek, as you know, he's uh, uh, very familiar with the Chicago area, did the line up there for newspapers and several of the tracks. But uh, so Arlington Park, as we know, under Churchill Downs, this is when they're going to be running their last meet. Uh, the question now is, <clears throat> what's the matter to them with the prices on it, whether it goes to housing or development or if somebody wants to buy it and use it as a racetrack? So uh, the thing is, a couple of groups have now in- investigated the fact that they're wondering if Churchill Downs would be willing uh, to sell it for a racetrack. And all along, they've been pretty adamant about not selling it for a track. And uh, so they're trying to find out exactly what's the reasoning behind that. They said they're going to take the license and open up a satellite facility somewhere. Um, 
but no definite plans. It's not like they could say, well, we're going to move to this part of the state and open up a casino and a track at the same time. So we got one more year up there. The question is, who will it go to? Uh, Mike Campbell's the president of the Illinois Thoroughbred Horsemen's Association, and he, he says he knows a number of companies and individuals interested in buying the track and keeping it open for racing. Uh, but pretty much uh, CDI uh, is not really interested in selling to somebody that wants to run it. And I guess there's a bit of head scratching up there. It's like, look, you know, this has been an important part of Chicago's racing landscape uh, for about 100 years. Uh, why can't we run it as a racetrack? So uh, we'll find out. That That's another debate that will be going on. All right. Good news front. Fans are returning to Del Mar for the summer meet. Uh, the 82nd season starts Friday, July 16th, and they're planning for spectators on site when the racetrack kicks off. That's a 31-day season, but in those 31 days, they're going to feature 34 major stakes. So good news from Del Mar, and while they're doing that, they're increasing their 2021 stakes purses. Uh, the, the Grade 1 TVG Pacific Classic is now going to be worth $750,000, a quarter million dollar increase. And the Del Mar Mile has also increased $150,000, and also the Del Mar Handicap, the San Diego Handicap. So uh, when the racing res- resumes at Del Mar, it's going to be good and speaking of good you've heard me mention this guy i've had him on as a guest sad to say last week i was talking about uh, the, the the passing of his father and that is deshaun parker uh he has won the george wolf memorial award and i am so happy because this is voted by the jockeys nationwide and um it's hard to believe, because I've been watching this kid ride forever, that he's now 50, and he outpolled four under Wolf finalists. It's quite an honor. You ask anybody that won the Wolf Award, and they'll tell you it's it's more important than all the other awards they got because it was because of the backing of their own riders. And it couldn't happen to a greater guy, uh, certainly, you know, again, two-time national uh rider a number of wins and uh the fact that uh, with his father passing i'm sure daryl's looking down from heaven and being a very very proud papa well let's get to some of last week's races they were dandies uh starting with the rebel points race 50 20 10 5 and at oaklawn park going to mount a 16th concert tour showed that he can go the distance at least a mile and a 16th he had only run six and seven furlongs guess who trains him Bob Baffert, who now has eight wins in the Rebel. He just shot out of the gate and went wire to wire, one in hand uh, with uh, uh, Joel Rosario in the saddle. So he's a son of street sense out of a tap at Mare. I think he can go the derby distance. Second was a long shot, Big Lake at 18 to 1. Uh, I'm sorry, it was uh, Hozier was 18 to 1, and third at 18 to 1 was Big Lake. So that was uh, uh, the the major uh, boys race. And then the, uh, uh, the, the race I want to make sure I mention before I run out of time 
is the Beholder Mile. This was at Santa Anita. I hope you got a chance to see this race. There were so many question marks surrounding last year's three-year-old champion, Philly, winner of the Santa Anita Oaks and uh, second in the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, none other than Swiss Skydiver, trained by Kenny McPeak. Uh, this horse has always raced on Lasix. No Lasix in the Beholder Mile at Santa Anita. And uh, so uh, we will uh, see where she goes from here. But she rated in third on the rail. Uh, just put in an awesome stretch run on a Robbie Alvarado, her, her newly deputized Jack, and did it without Lasix. So, kids, she's going to be tough. Now, I put in a good rally, but just not good enough was Bob Baffert's As Time Goes By, uh, out of the great mare, Take Charge Lady. I remember when Kenny McPeak trained her, and she was a multiple graded winner. Uh, it, it was a good second, but not good enough. The daughter of American Pharaoh could not get by the daughter of Daredevil. Swiss Skydiver back to her winning ways. And uh, and let's see. That was at Santa Anita. Also at Santa Anita, uh, we went to uh, the uh, San Simeon. And the San Simeon up by a head was Gregorian Chant, a British bred trained by Phil D'Amato. That was a good, good race. In the second spot was Sambaye, who looked like the winner, was very game. Uh, this horse is a front runner, but got caught. So uh, keep an eye on that one. Uh, let's see. At Oaklawn Park, also, we had some other good races. And uh, the Azari, uh, that went to none other then she's dares the devil. That's right. Last year's Kentucky Oaks winner, trained by Brad Cox, a daughter of Daredevil, got the job done. Wow, she's already won over $1.3 million for her connections. She dares the devil. This is going to be interesting when she and Swiss Skydiver uh, match strides. You know they're going to meet somewhere down the road for sure. And then um, the uh, Hot Springs, this was a heck of a race. Kate Brader put it in the best words. Poetry in Motion for CZ Rocket, uh, who uh, just, Florent Giroux gave this gelding a perfect trip, was last on the turn, and just got up, I guess Kate said it right, Poetry in Motion. And taking the Essex at Oak Lawn, it was Silver State who was uh, put in a game-winning effort coming from off the pace. That's a Steve Asmussen trainee. All right, that's a quick wrap-up of last week's racing. We'll be right back with our guest. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What? 
can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show, Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. As I told you, Joe Christofek is going to be with us. Uh, uh, most of you people, if you followed his career early on, uh, know that he's kind of uh, Chicago-centric uh, for a good part of his early career. And now Joe's real easy to find because you just have to turn on your television and go to the fairgrounds or Churchill Downs, and that will be Joe that's addressing you as the in-house handicapper. Now, the uh, races we're going to tackle, uh, the Twinspired Louisiana Derby, and of course, this is now we're jumping into the deep water, a 140-20-10 race. That's the, 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 the Derby. And then the Fairgrounds Oaks, also a big points race, for the girls so these are very very important races on the calendar and then the first of the pick four races these are all grade two uh will be the new orleans classic four hundred thousand dollars on the line there the question is can owendale return to his form of old uh didn't have his best uh, season last year and um ran third in his comeback uh on a sloppy track last time so we'll see how he does at the fair grounds he's won there before and following that race will be the munez memorial classic it's a grade two on the turf and we'll have to check with joe it doesn't really matter if you ask somebody for a weather report in new orleans <laughs> let's face it it could rain at any time joe i uh, hope that uh, you're with us and you're in a good spot i know you're getting ready to go out to dinner yeah, no, I hear you just fine, John. And, uh, yeah, the preparation continues. Um, I agree with you about your assessment of the Louisiana New Orleans weather, but I am uh, supremely confident that uh, we will be fast, hopefully firm. We had a little bit of rain uh, earlier in the week, but uh, we should have perfect conditions, temperatures in the mid-60s, and it uh, should be perfect on Saturday. That's great. That's great. Hey, now, Joe, before we get on to the fairgrounds races, and we could talk about this for the whole spot, but I just want to ask your question. As a Chicago kind of guy, what do you feel like with the death of Arlington Park? Um, honestly, John, it really hasn't quite sunk in for me yet. I think it probably will more this summer when, you know, they're racing and uh, really get – the sense of 
kind of the sadness that's going to occur for people that have uh, made their livings working, living and breathing Chicago racing for as long as people have. It's, uh, it's going to be a difficult situation. I mean, obviously, I understand the politics behind it, having uh, worked for Churchill Downs now for, you know, the better part of six years. And it's a shame that it had to turn out this way. Uh, they're going to go out with a bang, obviously, at Arlington, and a lot of people are going to have great memories. And honestly, for me, at this point in time, still hasn't completely sunk in, to tell you the truth. Now, Joe, I know you've been the odds maker for several tracks. Uh, are you the odds maker for the fairgrounds? No, I am not. Mike Deliberto does the odds at fairgrounds, and he does a really, really good job of it. He's uh, the former television host here. Uh, his uh, father has a race named after him at fairgrounds, and he's uh, he's been doing it for a long time, and he continues to do a really good job with it. Well, when I was down there many, many years ago, I knew his dad, Buddy. So I'm uh, dating myself once again. But, uh, Joe, let, let's grab you because I know we've got to put 10 pounds in a 5-pound sack here. Um, the Twin Spires Louisiana Derby. I guess basically the Risen Star is the key here. Um, and, uh, y- you know, uh, we, what can we say? You know, can Midnight Bourbon at 5-1 to one maybe stretch? it out a little bit at Steve Asmussen so anything can happen but let's face it Mandaloon who was beaten by Midnight Bourbon in the Lacamp uh, looks awful strong and here he rated really well for flow last time you know you put these names together sire into mischief trainer Brad Cox he, he, he's going to be hot to handle, and I think right behind him, equipment change on Proxy, uh, who has been racing without Lasix, and uh, he'll, he'll be one of the favorites, too, by Tappet out of a nice mare, I remember, Panty Raid. Yeah, that's the big three, John. That's what we're calling them here at Fairgrounds, and deservedly so, because they finished, you know, one, two, three, in a, a different order each time in the Lecompte, and also in the uh, Risen Star Midnight Bourbon got loose on the lead in the uh, Lecompte and uh, Mandaloon putting blinkers on for the first time, won the Risen Star. So uh, maybe this is Proxy's turn. I really think that with the addition of blinkers, he's going to take another step forward. I really think that the mile and 316th is going to benefit him. Mandaloon's the horse to beat. He's already won. He improved with blinkers. He's going to be a short price. He certainly merits respect. Um, but I think the horse maybe that has the most upside going into this race is the horse that ran second to both Midnight Bourbon and Mandaloon, and that's Proxy. I'm going to give him a slight edge in what should be a heck of a horse race. It, it sure should. And again, <clears throat> this is going to be the, the final leg of, of a, a all-graded pick four, Joe. So this is going to be fun to break down. So feel free to give us a couple horses in these races as we touch upon them. Uh, the Fairgrounds Oaks. I believe I was down there when Rachel Alexandra won this race. Calvin Burrell up in the pouring rain. And uh, in, in here... Uh, it looks like a tight one between uh, Clarier and uh, Brad Cox trained uh, travel column. Um, you know, 
who just missed by a neck declarator last time. Now, it's going to be a mile on the 16th, the same distance as the Rachel Alexander. Do you see reason for the roles to be reversed, or is there a sleeper out there like uh, Little Tootsie or Zagel that we should be looking at? Yeah, I got a couple of uh, horses in the Louisiana Derby, too, from the sleeper perspective. We could talk about here in a minute, but as far as the Fairgrounds Oaks goes, John, I mean, it, it's it's a race that is fascinating for a lot of different reasons. The rivalry between Clarier and Travel Column, which started at Churchill Downs, and the Goldenrod is now hitting the rubber match. Travel Column winning the Goldenrod, Clarier winning the uh, Rachel Alexandra last time out. Uh, she kind of caught Travel Column, I think, a little bit off guard. Travel Column may have moved a little bit too soon. It was their respective three-year-old debuts. And there doesn't appear, at least on paper, to be a lot of speed in here. I think there's several horses with a similar style, Travel Column being one of those. And I think at a mile and a 16th against this field on this day with this potential pace scenario, Clarier might be up against it just a little bit. Can't say she can't win because she certainly can. She's royally bred on both sides of the pedigree. She's in the right hand. She does everything the right way. But I really think when you look uh, down the road six weeks from now to the Kentucky Oaks at a mile and an eighth with a big field and an expected honest pace, regardless of who gets there, uh, I think Clarier becomes that much more dangerous then than maybe on Saturday. Uh, again, she can win it, but if I'm just looking at these two horses uh, equally, I would give Travel Column a slight edge over Clarier. All right. Again, we're talking to Joe Christofik, uh, who right now is working the fairgrounds. He's got a good gig, man. He's in Louisville for the warm weather and New Orleans for the cold weather where we are. Uh, hey, real quick, before we move on to another race, Joe, um, did you have a couple of price horses that you were interested in in the Louisiana Derby? Yeah, there's one in particular I'm interested in, John, and that is uh, Run Classic for Brett Calhoun who two years ago pulled off the same trick of breaking a maiden on Risen Star Day and then winning the Louisiana Derby with a long shot in By My Standards. Now, By My Standards was a lot more seasoned going into his maiden breaker and eventually the Louisiana Derby than Run Classic, who has just two starts under his belt. He was second on debut to a very nice horse and blameworthy, who has since come back to win again. He... One going two turns last time out and did it very professionally. He is a horse that uh, physically looks imposing. You look at his pedigree and you're a little bit skeptical about two turns, let alone a mile and three sixteenths uh, by run happy. But when you look at his stature, you look at the way he won his two turn debut, you look at the connections and you look at the 12 to one morning line if I was reaching a little bit for a price shot in the uh, multi-race wagers, Run Classic at 12-1 to 1 would be a horse that uh, I would give serious consideration to. Well, I know one guy that'll fall off the side of his bed should Run Classic win, and that's none other than Mattress Mac, who spent an awful lot of money promoting Run Happy over the last year. I can tell you that. Um, well, uh, let's, uh, let's move on now uh, to uh, the, the first race in the pick four, and that would be a mile and an eighth, uh, the New Orleans Classic. Um, 
and the thing is, these older horses can can run on Lasix. This isn't a Derby or an Oaks race. Um, and uh, the question about Owendale is, is you know, here's a horse that's won one point four million dollars, uh, but last season was a bit of a disappointment, and I just don't know what's happened. His, his Razorback, you know, again was on a sloppy track, and he's the, he's the tepid favorite, I think, over. Uh, Roadster and Sonamon. So I'm trying to get your your feel on Owendale. I mean, I love the horse. Don't get me wrong, but uh, he just uh, he, he did have a great 2020, even though he won over a quarter million. Yeah, I haven't uh, dug completely 100 percent into this race yet. I will tell you that I don't see a lot of speed in the race. Everybody thinks of Owendale as an out of the clouds closer, but if you look at his past performances. He does have a few races where he sat close to the early pace. I think he's the horse to beat. I think he's the best horse in the race. I think he's obviously coming into the race the right way. Uh, if you're looking at a price, you know, he's 9 to 5 in the morning line. Not sure I can take that. I will say, John, that Enforceable ran a very disappointing race last time out on Risen Star Day off maybe the best effort in his career and the race prior. And in the race prior, the pace was super slow. It was a bunched-up field, and that actually worked to Enforceable's advantage. He's going to have a similar scenario in this race on Saturday. He's 8-1 to one in the morning line. If he bounces back to the race that he ran prior to the clunker he threw in last time, he's as good as anybody in this field. And I'm definitely going to be using him prominently in my multi-race wagers just hoping that he does that, because if he does, again, he's as good as anybody in here, and the price is going to be right. And you, you hit it on the head when, when you said there's not a lot of speed in here, because when you look at the past performances, you know, it ought to be a great stretch run. That's all I can say uh, at a mile and an eighth at, at the fairgrounds for sure. Well, uh, the, uh, the 12th race, it's a mile and an eighth. It's named after two guys uh, that treated me so nice when I went down there uh, to to work at the fairgrounds, uh, Mervin and Ramon Munez, just super super guys. I don't know if you were blessed to ever meet them. Uh, they they left us too soon, but they were great guys, Joe. And I'm glad that they named a graded stakes race after them. With that said. Um, Colonel Liam has been quite the horse uh, since he's uh, started out. I mean, six lifetime starts, four victories, and a third. He won the, uh, the, the, the big race down at Gulfstream on the turf, uh, the uh, Invitational. Grade one, got up by a next. Irad Ortiz will be back to ride. Uh, but I've also, for a long time, I've made a lot of money on Factor This. Yeah, Factor This loves this turf course. He's in the right uh, position from the rail with the uh, the rails down. Going to get a couple of uh, pats of fresh grass on the inside, which can only help his chances. And he's won in similar scenarios before. His recent races have been a little bit disappointing. Colonel Liam's 3-1 to one in Mike Deliberto's morning line. I think he's going to be significantly lower than that, John. And I know he won the, uh, you know, the Pegasus uh, turf which you look at the purse, uh, you look at the name recognition, you know, you think it's a great race, but quite honestly, it's not much better than the race that uh, is going to be run here in the Munis on Saturday, if at all. In fact, I got a feeling he's going to be over bet. Um, 
as far as horses I like, I like a couple prices. I think Peace Achieved is heading in the right direction for Mark Cassie. Not sure that he can necessarily win this race, um, but he should be one of those horses that can sneak a piece of it at a price just like he did in uh, the race four weeks ago. And then Conviction Trade for Mike Maker. You've got to take notice when Mike sends a horse like this into the fairgrounds for a race like this, 15 to 1 in the morning line, and you get Joel Rosario. And this is the kind of race, John, where I think Joel can make a big difference. So I'm looking at two potential bombs in Conviction Trade and Peace Achieved. Not sure which direction I'm going to go right now or if I'm going to wind up picking one of those two on top. But I'm very interested in both of those as potential long shots. Well, listen, Joe, I don't want to keep you from your uh, shrimp remoulade or uh, uh, whatever you'll be starting your meal with. So I, I, I know you're up against it, so I'm going to let you go. I just heard somebody beep their horn at you, so maybe you're, you're parked in the middle of the road talking to me. But I, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to talk with us and enjoy your meal down there. And uh, we'll be looking for you on air uh, at the fairgrounds on Saturday. Yeah, that was actually Ed DeRose in his panda shirt. Uh, he made the <laughs> reservation, and we're looking we're looking forward to some uh, grilled char grilled oysters. Well done, John, to, to get things started. Um, oh. Couple of cold, couple of cold ones, and uh, yeah, uh, re- enjoy a nice relaxing night on the lake here. Oh, don't rub my nose in it, man. I miss that place so much, I'll tell you. Uh, but anyhow, we've we been talking to Joe Christofek, and Joe, I, I'll let you go. I know people are waiting on you, but I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. And again, we'll, we'll be looking for you on Saturday. John, anytime for you, buddy. Always good to catch up with you. All right, Joe Christofek. And by the way, Joe also coordinates uh, uh, partnerships. And uh, one of his, the one he's been putting together for the last three years is uh, Brilliant Racing. And uh, I, I jumped in as a partner on his most recent one. And we just had a winner at the fairgrounds about oh, 12 days ago, a uh, horse by the name of Man on the Moon. We've tried a little bit of everything. Uh, we changed barns. And uh, so... Uh, blinkers surfaces and finally tom amos says let's go back to the main track it's with the blinkers and see how he does and he did just fine so uh brilliant racing and man on the moon uh, might be back on track and uh i hope so we need to keep some more money in our partnership going but uh again it's called brilliant racing you can reach out to joe if you want to become a partner Uh, look if i'm a partner it can't cost too much, folks. So, uh, but they go to the sale. They, uh, they 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 scout the horses pretty good, and they uh, give you the reasons why they buy the certain horses they do, and then uh, consistently update you on um, on what what's what's going on with your horses as far as training's concerned, or switches to a barn or things like that. And uh, we, we've we've got we've got three. Uh, one's kind of laid up right now, but the other two, uh, we got a dialed-in filly with Greg Foley and Brilliant Racing. That's part of the package we bought. And put in a nice first-time start, ran fourth down at the fairgrounds, and uh, you know we look to improve off that race. So, uh, again, it's called Brilliant Racing, and, and it's headed up uh, by, uh, by Joe. All right, well, uh, we're going to take a quick break here, and we come back. We're going to talk to the guru of horse tourneys, none other than than 
Eric Wing. Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the Easy Win Form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right, and with me, no stranger to this show, because most of you people like to bet the ponies, and if you can't make it out to the track, and maybe you kind of like to play a contest or have a little fun, um, they've got it for you at, at Horse Tourney's. Of course, Eric's the communication director. I think I got to update your bio because it says a 17-year industry veteran. You've been in the business more than 17 years now, haven't you, Eric? Two now. 22. Uh, 22. That's, okay. That's a five-year-old. They must have wrote, must must have uh, written that when I first started at Horse Tourneys because I've been there about five years now. Yeah. Well, um, now, give me a quick tutorial or our listeners a quick tutorial. Like, uh, you know, you talked about on your email today, uh, Madness. That was a good, good uh, lead in there. Upcoming March weekend sets up at the busiest in horse tourney's history. Um, why is it the busiest uh, tourney weekend in horse history for horse tourneys? Well, uh, we have. 40, we have things called featured tourneys, which are our richest games, you know, prizes of 
$1,500 and up. And we used to have about 14 or 15 a weekend. This, this weekend we have 43. Oh. Um, so our business has really uh, kind of exploded in the last couple of years in particular. Um, you know, the pandemic hasn't hurt that with people no. sort of being forced to wager from home. Uh, and some of it is straight cash games. We have games for as little as a dollar. Um, uh, on April 2nd, we have a game that's going to be worth about 300000 or more um, in a total pot. So that'll be a big one. But we also have a lot of qualifying tournaments where you can, for 100 or 150 bucks, depending on the, the size of the prize, you can win a seat to a major tournament such as the NHC or the Breeders' Cup Betting Challenge or the, the uh, Florida Derby Challenge. And we've really sort of become the go-to site for all tracks and organizations uh, for players to qualify through horse tourneys. Um, a lot of people want to play tournaments, but, you know, it's, it's hard to plunk down Three, five, or ten thousand dollars for an entry fee—that's um, a lot of money. So we offer what we call qualifiers, but you might call them satellites if you are a poker player, to risk a lesser amount to try to win your way into that uh, big tournament. And that's a big part of our business as well, including this weekend. Well, you know, that would me, be me coming in at the lower level because uh, uh, disposable income is hard, hard to come by around here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I wanted to kind of, uh, you know, reach out to you and uh, before before we move on to uh, a couple of races and ask you about, you know, what you think have been, you know, some of the most impressive uh, uh, prep races uh, you know, leading up, particularly we'll stick with the Derby and not the Oaks. I'm a greatest honor fan. I know everybody going, well, look at his times, look at his buyers. I just love his running style. So, uh, and then life is good. Of course, Baffert, 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 you know, we're talking about a concert tour it was impressive last week and, uh, life is good. Um, I, I, I just thought his last start was a little weird. I know he's done nothing but win, but I did not like the way he was getting out the stretch. No, I mean, it has to be a cause for concern. He's he's faster than these horses, at least up to a mile and a sixteenth. He's certainly got a lot of brilliance. Now, I'm not a horse physiology or uh, I'm not good on the physicality side of horses. Um, I, I don't I don't try to know what I don't think I know, but, um, you know, people who are smarter than me, I've heard say that the horse isn't particularly a, quote, good mover, um, and that that kind of shows itself um, if you watch a head-on. Um, Bruno DiGiulio has maintained that, um, and, and, you know, Bruno has a good opinion, so I respect whatever he says. Um, I'm going to reserve judgment or, or not make a judgment on that because I just I'm not good enough at that side of it to make any proclamations. But um, it would worry me, uh, especially going a longer distance in Kentucky, presumably with a hot pace, maybe some company on the front end. It's it's 
which he didn't really have in his last race. It, it, it's certainly a red flag. Um, you know, other people might rightly say, well, I'll take a red flag if I can have the horse who's 10 buyer points faster than everybody else. But, um, you know, that's horse racing. That's, that's handicapping right there. And, and the fact that it's a longer distance on Derby Day than, than any other, um, than what they've run before just thickens the plot. Well, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Eric. Uh, while we're uh, on the subject of uh, some of the prep races, um, how about did, did you get a chance to watch the Rebel at Oaklawn Park? Uh, I think Concert Tour proved that a lot of people were scratching their head about distance. The horse had never done anything but sprint. And, uh, of course, when you see the Rebel Stakes, just go to the window and bet whoever Bob Baffert has in there, <laughs> which uh, well, is not good if you bet sure. Hosier, but it is good if you boxed him with his other horse. And that was Concert Tour, who I think now has proven to us all that uh, distance is not the question with this horse. He's just run a son of street sense, is what I recall, uh, one on the first Saturday in May a few years back. Yeah, it's it's funny. I mean, with the possible exception of Medina Spirit, all these Baffert stars kind of have the same pedal to the metal running style. Like Life is Good and Concert Tour, who is very impressive. I mean, he just took the race to Caddo River, and Caddo River sort of folded or just didn't like having the race taken to him, and. You know, similar to like, you know, in those two-year-old races at Keeneland, the, the Wesley Ward horses all break two lengths ahead of the field and, right. and the rest are all up against it. That's kind of the way it is in these two-turn um, three-year-old preps with against the Baffert horses. Uh, and, and, you know, he, he's a, a terrific trainer, so he can teach a horse to break sharp and he trains speed into them and... Uh, Baffert obviously believes that speed is a dangerous weapon, even though these are longer distance races, and he takes every advantage. And you saw a crystal clear example of that in in the Rebel, just in the race within the race, involving um, Concert Tour and and um, Caddo River. I mean, you would almost say that he kind of um, tore Caddo River in two in that race. Concert Tour did. Well, I don't know if he had a chance to watch it, and I don't know if Baffert's serious about heading to the Derby, but it was a maiden race at Santa Anita this week where American Pharaoh's half-brother, Triple Tap, uh, made his first start, took over on the turn, and what I liked is not only the way he won under a Flavian and Pat hand ride, but continue to watch the race he must have been under instructions that, hey, we got to wind this horse up. It was a seven furlong race, and he had a long gallop out past the wire and around the turn. Did you get to see that race? Yeah, I think it was triple tap uh, last yes. Sunday. Correct. Uh, first or second race. I can't remember which, but yeah. And that was this his, his first race. And, right. The horse's first race, and I, I just meant first or second race on the card on Sunday. Second um, race. Yeah, and um, he, you know he's really up against it. If, if, if I don't, I can't imagine this would be a Derby horse. Um, just off the one start, zero points. I mean, he'd have to basically win his next prep 
or run second at the very worst. And that would, even by Baffert standards, that would seem like rushing a horse. I mean, at least uh, his horses at least seem to need uh, a couple of starts before they go to the Triple Crown. But maybe this is a you know maybe this is a Preakness type horse with a yeah a Pat Day mile tossed in in between or something like that. But uh, gosh, you know if if you have an unlimited budget and you want to uh, you know your life's goal is to you know, be one of the favorites in the Triple Crown race. You give your money to Bob Baffert these days. <laughs> it's an embarrassment of riches, almost, uh, with, with the horses he has. Uh, well, as I've got uh, past performances spread all over my desk here, um, be- before we get on to a, a couple of, uh, you know, different races at San Anita and Gulfstream Park, uh, I wanted to kind of focus on a race that Joe Christofek and I just talked, and that would be the Louisiana Derby. Did you get a chance to look at that race? Yeah, I sure did. It looks like, um, you know, field of eight, and it seems like there are four haves and four have-nots in terms of the speed figures, and three of those four haves are going to be the first three uh, finishers of the Risen Star Stakes, uh, Mandaloon, Proxy, and Midnight Bourbon, plus toss in Hot Rod Charlie coming in from uh, Santa Anita, who's a third, close third in a blanket finish behind Medina Spirit in the, in the Bob Lewis Stakes. Um, so I, I'd be surprised if the winner didn't come uh, from one of those four. What do you think, John? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Risen Star is the key uh, for for sure. Uh, <clears throat> and but, but the thing is, you know, so many betters look and go, oh, well, this horse beat this horse in his last start, this horse beat this horse in his last start, and that's the way they approach the race. You know, you've got to understand, uh, not you, but our listeners, that – Every race is different, and you never know how a horse is going to feel when he wakes up on race day. And then trainers also tweak things. And let's not forget, and I want to get your input on this, the fact that on these derby points races, you race without LASIK. So now you've got Proxy, uh, who's going to add blinkers. Michael Stidham's putting them in there. And, uh, you know, adding blinkers, this horse's last two starts has raced without uh, Lasix, and I. Before we move forward, I just want to ask, what's your take on the the, the no Lasix angle? Because I see a lot of guys coming in that the horses have been running on Lasix, and now they got to try them for the first time without. Yeah, I, I, not to duck your question. I really have no opinion. I mean, I I, I think of of you know of racing's multitude of problems. Um, whether horses run on Lasix is like problem number 73. So, <laughs> I, you know, I, I mean, it's the same for all the horses. Um, and it's a little dicey. It was, it was a little dicey early in this calendar year when some horses are coming on Lasix, some are going off because they're in stakes, at least in these three-year-old series. You know, you like to think you know what you're handicapping when you're looking at a race because you do see, if, um, well, at least uh, one horse in here is coming off of Lasix, run classic. So it's, it's I, I, again, similar to my previous hedge, I'm not a vet, so I don't really know. I, I think it, it affects different horses differently. 
Um, so I'm just going to handicap the race as if, as if medication isn't a factor. That may be naive, but I, I just don't know how else to do it in this kind of initial pass-through in, in the no-lasix three-year-old era. But I, I do like proxy in this race, and, you know, the damn panty rate is a multiple grade oh, one yeah. winner over a distance of ground. And if anybody's going to like the extra uh, 16th of a mile in this race going a mile and three sixteenths, I think it is proxy. So um, of the four halves, that's my uh, most, that's the half I want to have the most. All right. Uh, I, I, again, we're uh, we're talking with Eric Wing, the communications director for Horse Tourneys, and let's move to uh, two more uh, races. We got four minutes, so try to time it out. Two minutes per race. We'll start at a unique distance, six and a half at Gulfstream Park. The Hurricane Birdie. It's a Grade Three, hundred thousand um, dollars. Kind of hard hard to separate these. Um, I'm looking at a slight long shot. I think he's listed at about eight to one in Sound Machine. I, I like the added uh, half furlong. It's I, I always like third start back, and this horse is making a third start back. Uh, Safi Joseph trains, of course. Uh, the favorites in here will uh, uh, most probably be Pacific Gale and Slam Dunk. Yeah, I, I, John. I have to say, from my watching of the Gulfstream races, this this winter, the Philly and Mare Sprint Division has just been completely forgettable. I mean, it, it, there hasn't been an impressive winner of any of these races. And, and so I'll, I'll try to, you know, quickly point out a situation here where number one, Saguaro Row, and number four, Pacific Gale, face off in the Garland of Roses at Aqueduct on December 6th. Saguaro Road slightly favored over Pacific Gale, but Pacific Gale finishes in front of of Saguaro Row. Uh, Saguaro Row just uh, then runs a, a a tough third in the Interborough at Aqueduct, while Pacific Gale decides to ship down a Gulfstream and winds up winning a Grade Two. So the Saguaro Row people must have said, "Shoot, we're in the wrong region of the country right now." You know, we're we're life and death in these Aqueduct Hundred Granders, and and um, a horse that we were really close to just won a Grade Two at Gulfstream. So those are my two horses. I think they have a class edge over the field that might not be readily apparent. Um, Saguaro Row and Pacific Gale, and I'm going to slightly lean to Saguaro Row just because Pacific Gale is picking up a bunch of weight for this race. All right, Eric, we're down to about a minute and a half. I hate to put your feet to the fire, but it's the San Luis Ray out at Santa Anita, a mile and a half. Uh, not a whole lot of people showed up for this grade three race. Um, I kind of like to say the word, of course, so does the odds maker at five to two. Uh, Mike Smith up. I'd, uh, I, I throw the last out and uh, master of, of, of hounds. Uh, ran very well without Lasix last time, and will run without Lasix this time. I'm with you, and if I can get five to two, I think that's plenty fair and generous in a five horse field. The five horse multiplier just has no shot. The other four all do have a shot, but Acclimates had no excuse in his last three. Um, Master of Foxhounds, this is his first race at a mile and a half, and he might be a little too slow uh, in terms of his best race. United is good on his on uh, his best, but he's coming off a bit of a layoff. People are going to see that Pratt goes to United, 
But I don't care about that, that he's not riding Say the Word, because Pratt always rides for Mandela. I'm hoping people see that Pratt went to, to United and, and cool on Say the Word. Uh, I'll take Say the Word, Mike Smith, Phil D'Amato, and like you, I think he's the he's probably the best horse, and I think he will definitely be the squarest gamble in, in, in the race. All right. Well, with that, I've got the, 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 the hooks coming out to take me off stage. So, Eric, thanks a million for joining us once again. I always love having you on the show. It's my, always my pleasure, John. Uh, great to be with you again. All right. Eric Wink from Horse Tourneys, Joe Christofek currently from the fairgrounds. I'm John Engelhart with Winning Ponies. I hope you got a great weekend. Pull down our easy wind forms or some challenging races out there. Remember, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.